1957, the U.S. Chemical Corps of Engineers had been producing chemical munitions using the deadly sarin nerve gas to fulfill their stockpile requirements set by the U.S. Department of Defense. After filling these quotas, the Chemical Corps pivoted their means of production to VX nerve gas. VX had the sinister reputation of being three times as toxic as sarin when inhaled and almost 1,000 times more toxic when absorbed through the skin, with one liter having the theoretical capacity for killing one million people. Many of the men who helped in the development and production of these weapons of unparalleled lethality were former Nazis who, just a little more than a decade before, were building weapons that were intended to be used on Allied soldiers during World War II. But even before Berlin had fallen, many of these scientists who were captured by advancing Allied forces had thrown away their allegiance to the Nazi ideology and professed innocence and ignorance of the multitude of war crimes that happened at the weapons testing and production facilities in Nazi Germany. Each country of the Allies was eager to deal with these devils in order to obtain the secrets of the wonder weapons of the Third Reich. This case file joined the theorists as they followed the paper trail from Nazi Reichs to Stars and Stripes in Operation Paperclip. to Alien Theorist Theorizing Case File 159 Operation Paperclip. I'm Braden. I'm Zell. I'm Dan. And I'm Andrew. Mm-mm, we're back. We're back. Dude, I'm drinking these new beverages. And beverages? Whew, beverages. I'm telling you something. I'm going to be meat drawn in about 25 minutes. What kind of beverages are you, are you drinking? I'm drinking these Black Fly Cranberries. Oh, uh, are they paying us? Oh, are easy on us? the Don't free plug. Don't fucking mention a name. Shit, sorry, I'm <laughs> Don't say they're good. Don't say they're good. The, I'm drinking your drink here. Uh, it's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting me they're fucking easy is it drink. made by spotify or else don't say it's anything. made by made by spotify actually yeah made by at spotify i guess this is do we talk about that too this will be the last episode available on all platforms before we go exclusively to spotify join us move over it's a free app it's easy to use i recently made the switch it's not bad and i wouldn't tell you it's not bad i would i would say it's bad if i really didn't like it i would say it's bad and we're gonna get them to work on it but it's it's actually easier than using Apple Podcasts, in my opinion. Uh, I would always have issues downloading them. I didn't on Spotify. It was fucking easy. It's easy app. It's uh, You can download offline, just like any other podcast app. And another thing, if you're on your computer listening, you push pause, you jump in your car, open Spotify, starts right back up. Same app. Boom. There you go. Yeah, if Braden, if Braden says it's easy, it's really easy. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking easy. <laughs> I haven't figured out how to download it yet, but once I do, I bet you it's going to be easy. <laughs> That's funny, because last yeah. episode you said you had to figure it out. Were you lying? I thought I did, but <laughs> it was I, something completely different. But yeah, October 16th, we'll be gone. So if and, I, uh, if you're listening and it disappears, that's where we went. So head, head, listen, head over And there. if you want if you, if, you know, to you help our show and you have don't want to join our Patreon, that's fine. The easiest way to help us is just to download and listen to us free on Spotify. 
it honestly helps the show more than you would know. And it's easy to do. It's follow your boys. Be easier. Follow your favorite show over to Spotify. And if, if you're already on Episode. Spotify, tell, tell your friends, bring them over too. Bring, nothing, nothing changes for you. Nothing changes. There you go. You lucky sons of bitches. Yeah. Um, also got a little shout out. I wanted to do Jessica Fulop wishes her husband, Justin Justerson, a happy second wedding anniversary. What a sweetheart. Uh, she's been messaging us all the time to make sure this happened. She messaged us months ago in preparations. And I was like, ah, remind us closer to, and she did. And then I asked some clarifying questions and she answered them. So, um, Justin Justerson, you son of a bitch. You got yourself a good wife there. Hold on to her. Uh, and, uh, what else we got before? Well, let's just get right into operation Papier clip. Yeah. We haven't touched on uh, any conspiracy roots in a while. Been a weird year for conspiracies. We've shied away, but uh, sometimes you find one that's got a lot of merit, and uh, paperclip it All is. All the merit. <laughs> oh shit! I forgot. There's also a companion episode to this called Operation Ovechkin or some shit. How did on you Patreon. feel? Osavayakim. <laughs> Osavayakim. <laughs> and basically, that's the Russian version, right? Russian yes. version of Operation yeah. Paperclip. So once you listen to this and you're like, God damn, this is interesting. Go to our Patreon. Me and Dan did an episode on the Russian version where we do this whole episode in Russian only. It's awesome. <laughs> so is it true? Like when you guys did research for that, is it true that they got 2,000 Nazi scientists in one night? Listen, you got to pay for that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to pay for this information. I'm sorry. It's on patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast. They got a lot. Uh, but let's get into the American version. Operation Paperclip. Operation Paperclip, the granddaddy of conspiracies is what I would call it. Uh, if, if you've ever been down the conspiracy rabbit hole, you've probably heard of Operation Paperclip. Um, has a ton to do with Nazis, has a ton to do with uh, Rocky Nazi science. It's just it's got all the good stuff that you could possibly want. Um, so we get right into it. So uh, taking this back to um, Operation, well, Operation Paperclip began technically in 1944, uh, right after the Allies landed at Normandy on June 6th. Uh, you had another contingent that landed with them, uh, and, and it was a unit that was directed by one Samuel Godsmith. And Godsmith was a scientific director for this top secret mission that was co codenamed Operation Alsace. And Operation Alsace was actually an offshoot of the Manhattan Project. Now, their job was pretty much to uh, capture, uh, analyze, and recover as much Nazi technology, scientists, architecture, things like this, all of that kind of thing, infrastructure, all of that stuff, and take it back to the Nazis. So any documents they came across, uh, any type of scientific stuff that they could find was to go through Operation Alsace. That's interesting because one could say that when you were looking at this case, the allies already know they were like, it's looking like we're going to win this war. So they were already licking their chops being like, all right, we need to start not only preparation for like our final assaults and whatnot, because we're going to win this thing, but we need to start making plans because we need to make sure that we get, we reap some rewards from this war. So even before it, the like, you know, the anything sealed delivered, they're going like, 
All right, we got to start making our plans to fucking get our goods because we're going to win this shit and we got to fucking make sure we get better stuff than anyone else. So first page, do not open the ark. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Well, technically, technically, I'm pretty sure that Raiders of the Lost Ark takes place before pre-World War II, like 1930s. So they already had the ark in their possession. Technically, at the end of that movie, if you go by that timeline, unless the Nazis stole it from them back at some point, I don't know. But if you take if you take Raiders of the Lost Ark as your uh, uh, as your source, then we already had the Ark. I mean, but that's what I watched to study for this. So I'm fucking that ready. Makes sense. Dial yeah. in. I hate snakes. I got, I got it all. I'm good. So the Allies begin their sweep across France uh, in November in Strasbourg. Godsmith actually learns that Nazis had begun their experiments. They had done some of their experiments, at least. And he had good evidence that showed that they had been uh, testing uh, certain types of uh, uh, like survival experiments, you know, the cold water experiments, the salt water things. Those He was coming across documents that referred to uh, Nazi human experimentation. So there was Godsmith had a good idea of what was going on already, and this was 1944. Godsmith learns of one uh, one Nazi scientist known as Dr. Kurt Blom, and he was the deputy surgeon general of the Third Reich. And uh, he learns of another scientist named Surgeon, the other Surgeon General, who is General uh, Walter Schreiber. And so these guys come into play a little bit later. These dudes were pretty. Bad these dudes. were pretty fucked up dudes. They were bad dudes and so yeah let me let me just get out of the way that uh like researching for this i fucking hate nazis like i hated <laughs> nazis before like i fucking hate nazis now like i uh, way to tow the, the spotify line dan with the, with the fury of a thousand suns i hate nazis dan did you play uh, the old castle wolfensteins to, to uh kill them all i'm about to like i own i own the 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 prequel and the other ones and I'm about to load up all the Wolfenstein games so just run through Nazis, them like nonstop <laughs> for a week like I am all set is anyways so about 1945 uh, the the Ally assault is going well they're uh, discovering cash tons of caches of weapons and documents uh, they come across one of the uh, one of the crucial uh, installments known as Nordhausen uh, we talk about this in uh, Operation Osviakim. Uh, uh, Nordhausen was the facility where it was uh, one of the major production facilities for the V2 rocket program. So this is, it was an underground, it was a facility built uh, predominantly underground. Ma- uh, majority of the facilities were all underground. And uh, a lot of the work that was done, probably about 90% of the work that was done at Nordhausen was uh, slave labor. Like they took uh, prisoners of war, uh, a lot of the uh, the J- Jewish prisoners, any concentration camp prisoners they took, they took them and well, it, it is a pretty nasty place to work. But this is where they did a majority of the constructions of their V2 rockets. So you had scientists who were in, involved in the construction of this facility. Uh, the V2 rocket scientists included people like uh, George Riquet. Uh, Walter Dernberger, we'll talk about this guy later. Uh, everybody's favorite, Werner von Braun or Brown, Brown. and uh, Arthur Rudolph. So these were four of the the hundreds of scientists that were stationed at this base um, who weren't there at the time. Right. So now 
Uh, March 12th, 1945, the Allies are coming into this area. Um, Werner von Braun is actually uh, evacuated from the area. He was leaving uh, an area, and he was nearly actually killed in an auto accident. Uh, his driver ended up nodding <laughs> off at the wheel, and his car ended up veering off the road and took a dive off a 40-foot embankment and then crashed near a railroad, tr- railroad track where he ended up breaking his arm. Was he using slave labor for a driver as well? or <laughs> <laughs> Guy's been push, like pulling nights all month. Oh, they're all Just jacked exhausted. up on freaking amphetamines probably. Yeah, right? exactly. 24 hours a day it's, it's um, weird to think it's weird to think where if that had that been fatal for like warner von braun how history may have been reshaped no kidding probably wouldn't went to the moon man yeah it's crazy it's it's weird to think about that one That's guy crazy. and that one incident's like had he you know i'm not gonna sit here and be like thank god he didn't because he was also a terrible person and he could have deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it's a real, it's a real tough one when talking about word of Ron Braun. Well, he's the mastermind of the V2 rocket, which who was the president of the time said if they couldn't, if they didn't Truman. get, if they didn't get their six, if they got there six months later, the capacity of them to like manufacture these V2 rockets would have made the war almost unwinnable because they wouldn't have been able, like been able to like destroy the incoming armies and there's nothing they could not shoot these rockets down. They were like the ultimate defense. Well, the thing about them, right, was they were the first like long range guided ballistic missile, right? Yeah. That's what I mean. So this was this was like there's nothing else like it at this time. Yeah, they were still they were still developing the technology like the technology wasn't perfected. Um, They would launch these V2s. And if you if you were lucky when they shot these things off, um, um, a lot of these rockets were fired into you had V1s and V2s that were launched into uh, London at the time. So from France across the the English Channel into parts of uh, Britain, uh, you had them launching these guided missiles and kind of guided in the rudimentary sense. But uh, if you were lucky, they would hit their targets. There's there's plenty of records. There's plenty of uh, accounts of where these rockets like exploded mid-flight or they they missed their targets by miles. Like it, it wasn't a perfect technology. It was time. always a win because they're like, did it hit Britain? Technically, yeah. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah, but if they had si- if they had six more months, they're saying like they might have per- like perfected the technology better to make the like make the rockets that much better, and then it made that it would make liberating like Europe that much harder. So they got there pretty much just in time. Yeah, and that's that's a very you know that is a plausible scenario at the time when when they were thinking about it. It definitely took a lot of labor to to create these rockets. I think they were churning out these rockets at maybe like two or three. A day or something, but von Braun had this had this uh, had this idea where he wanted to be able to up production at somewhere like two hundred rockets per day, something that is crazy. Um, and and people have remarked that if uh, historians have remarked that if von Braun had the idea that he wanted to increase the production of his rockets and the in these. Uh, these weapons, he was definitely aware of the amount of labor that it would require and a lot of the labor which was done by slaves. So you can't say that he was unaware of that. A lot of people will try to, a lot of people um, during the time the U.S. government tried to argue that Werner von Braun had no idea or had very limited uh, 
scope of what how much slave labor was going on within his facilities. I mean, like they had the ultimate encouragement to work fast, right? The five slowest slaves of the day were hung in front of everybody. Yes. What like, like you don't want to be those guys like work faster. Like what did they what did they expect us to believe that every time Werner von Braun walked into the factory, they had like rows of soldiers goose stepping and waving their arms so much that he couldn't see side to side to what the fuck was going on in the plant? <laughs> like he like he was a fucking high-ranking member like he fucking knew to, like the even just if you were like to be like, oh, there's no evidence that he knew anything. I'd be like, I don't believe you for a second. <laughs> it just doesn't pass the sniff test for me at all with no evidence at all. If you're like, this guy was just making them. He had no idea how they were being made. And I'm sure he wouldn't have approved. I'm like, motherfucker knew how they're being made. They're his fucking babies. Like if you're creating these things, there's no way you're just sitting in a fucking somewhere off and being like, I hope these are getting made properly in this factory that I'm never going to visit. And I don't know what's going on in there. But I hope they're doing my designs perfectly. Workers' compensation rights and, you know, paid time off and holidays. Yep, they all got all that stuff. <laughs> I mean, they're lucky if they got food. Uh oh, exactly. <laughs> so Van Brown, as he was uh, recovering from his broken arm from his auto accident, uh, he was informed by his personal assistant and other uh, intelligence officers that, that were uh, attending him that he that the allies uh, that the allies push into Europe was unstoppable. Like they were going to arrive within days uh, and, and take over the facility and occupy the area. So Von Braun had the far, the foresight. He had the idea to take, uh, he instructed his personal assistant and uh, one other person, I believe to take the documents about the development of the V2 and to hide them. Right. Because these were going to be Von Braun was like, well, if they're going to take over, they're going to want these things. He he knew this. And this is you'll see this with a lot of other Nazi scientists at the time. They knew that the allies wanted this technology. They knew that it was going to be useful afterwards because Von Braun, Von Braun at this point, not only was he thinking about uh, how his weapon, how his technology could be used for weapons, but at, they were also considering the possibility of space flight. Like that was uh, a lot of times I think, uh, in Von Braun's like later years, like he'll be asked about these things and he was already thinking about space, uh, exploring space with his technology. I'm the best part about this is the fact that he hid these documents in the most Nazi med like evil place that you could possibly hide anything. It, like almost fits into like fiction. He hid them in a fucking graveyard. Uh, oh yeah. Like, dug a fucking grave in a graveyard and buried them. Like it does not get any more Nazi than that. <laughs> so now you have uh, the allies pushing their way uh, through Europe and uh, March 23rd, uh, you have a, uh, the, the allies have reached these, the city of Bonn, I believe. And this is where they had uh, opera, uh, Samuel Goldsmith and Operation Alsace had, had taken a group here. They had taken up uh, looking for uh, this university where uh, at least one Nazi scientist had been known to be working. And they had recovered documents uh, which essentially showed them a list of all of the Nazi scientists in Germany at the time. So, so not just scientists, but engineers, doctors, technicians. Um, this is what was known as the Osenberg list. So I now this list had to be made because I guess from what I was reading was the fact that Hitler 
didn't really take kindly to a lot of intellectuals that went against his his mandates and ideologies and stuff like that. So it was kind of hard for physicists and like dancing doctors and stuff like that, unless they bought in, like if you're not a fucking card carrying Nazi and you didn't buy in completely, he would ship them off to do like menial labor jobs and like go to the front lines. And then when they realized they started shit in the bed and they needed all the help they could get, they're like, listen, we need to create a fucking list with all the people that we fucking sent away that could aid us now, like Von Braun at this time was in fucking jail because Himmler put him in jail, right? Like, so he's got, you know what I mean? So he's shit in the bed. So what, what do we know about Hitler right now? He doesn't like nerds. Kicked them all out. <laughs> yeah. And then he basically shit his pants. At the beginning, he's basically like, well, you know what? None of these guys have blue eyes or the blonde hair and none of them have the big muscles. We don't need them. So we're going to send them to the front lines. Start losing, guy shits his pants and starts calling the nerds. Recall, recall the nerds. You, know, you can't <laughs> kick out the nerds, man. You can't. Now, now, how, right. now, the story of them, how the list was actually found. Them was that. Is this true that like a Polish like lab tech found it in a toilet and he was like, "Hey guys, this looks important. Here, take this list." Uh, that's yeah, what I before, read before the Nazis before the Nazis evacuated the university where they had they had set up most of their uh, their research. Uh, in that area, they were trying to destroy as many documents as they found. So a lot of a, a majority of the documents were were burned, but they also thought a good way. I guess they thought a good way to destroy uh, documents is to flush them down the toilet, which I don't I just, think is a great idea. I have to interject. <laughs> it's bullshit. Because let's let's think about this for a second. Just not even not even on any other aspect of this other than this list with Germany's most important scientists was deemed shitty enough and didn't make the cut to get burned that it got flushed. What the, how much information did we lose by them destroying and burning documents? I can't even begin to fathom the knowledge that was lost. Man, it just doesn't, I don't know. I don't fucking buy it. I just don't. This is, this is the golden fucking ticket. This is the fucking, this is the official cheat code of Nazi Germany. Well, this is and, it's just a list of and, all the all the scientists, right? It doesn't, it doesn't exactly it doesn't right. It, I don't think I think I don't think it was deemed uh, extremely important information because this this list, I guess, had it had been distributed throughout. It was kind of like a contact list. It was really just like who to call if you kind of need these things. Was Bob um, Lazar on that list? Was he on that fucking telephone list? I'm not even not sure he yet. was born yet. Well, that's a, that's how we cracked. That's how you know he was there. No, I don't. I don't. But I don't know, man. Just like. You know, some random Polish janitor comes up with like, are you guys looking for this list? Because I found it in the toilet. Like, do you it's want to see it? Like, it's kind of vet. Yeah, it's a little bit soggy. soggy. It's a little bit soggy, but you see there's Werner von Braun on here. <laughs> there's the some names. Maybe yeah. they have interest to you. Wink, yeah, wink. Yeah, but if it's just a directory, it doesn't, it doesn't really have any classified information. It's just a list of names. Right, it was a list of names and addresses. But this was the list that they were like, this was Hitler's last ditch effort to protect protect Germany was by gathering this list of fucking scientists. All right, devil's advocate. Let's say this list is just names. They don't know it is, but then when they give it to, when they're giving it to, you know, whatever the allies analysts, someone's going through that list and goes, holy, hold on a second. I know a couple of these names on this list are scientists. I think this is a list of all their scientists. 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure go, that's how it, that shook out. Like they're like, I know this name, I know <laughs> so this name. Best, the <laughs> best scientist number one, Werner von Braun. Number two, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it said that. Top five thousand scientists in Germany. Say, <laughs> oh, Sebastian. It's not yeah. the Ausenberg list. It's the yeah. Awesomeberg list. Yeah. Uh, uh, and eh. Berg means scientist in Germany. I think obviously. Uh, aside from this list, uh, just a month, like a couple months before or a couple months after in April, uh, the or actually just the next month over, uh, the United States Army would actually come upon what they had found, what they when they had people look it over, they had scientists look it over, engineers. They had they figured that they had found the most scientifically advanced aeronautics laboratory in the world. This was uh, called the Hermann Goring Aeronautical Research Center at Vulcan Road, and they had never heard of this place before. Like it wasn't on any uh, United States intelligence, British intelligence. They had no idea of this place. Like this is this this facility is where the Nazis tested. Uh, all of their their secret weapons like here they were testing they had these advanced wind tunnels where uh like when when the scientists look at it they're like this is where they were planning um to build craft that would break the sound barrier which hadn't been done yet so they're like this is where this is this is where they were testing materials and and vehicles like these were these are where they built their their jet aircraft so sorry, where how did they get led to that? Was some was that on the list as well? They no, they, they had never found. They just found it. They just came across it. So like, con there's so much convenience here in these two situations that just baffle me. <laughs> well, when you're rolling across the whole place looking for Nazis and you're you're rolling through forests and tanks and stuff, and you're you're running into these probably have roads that run out into some of listen, these facilities. I mean, Warner von Braun dressed up like a Polish janitor <laughs> wrote down a list of all his friends. And went up to the Americans and be like, I think this list might be somewhat important to you. Maybe you should look at it. <laughs> I don't think Werner von Braun would dress up, dress up exactly as a janitor because most of the scientists who, who the V2 rocket scientists and stuff, after the Allies started pushing forward into Germany and those areas, they evacuated out to like all a bunch of ski chalets in the Bavarian Alps. Like they were all just hanging out there until the war was over. They were just like, go, they were hanging out at all these uh, spa uh, health uh you know, hotels and things out there, like five star resorts is where they were hanging out. So until the war ended, what you're trying to tell me right now is the Nazi scientists were the real victors of world war two, not the allies. Like these guys have the cushiest fucking gig I've ever seen in my life. I hate to say kinda, no, but seriously. kinda like these guys, these guys went from third Reich to, you know, the, United First States. class, baby. Like, it's fucking crazy. <laughs> well, not until we actually, they officially began recognizing or formally recognizing the use uh, or the uh, utility of having German scientists work for you. So in 1945, on July 5th, there was a classified memorandum that was circulated through the United States government, and it was uh, titled with the subject, Exploitation of German Specialists in Science and Technology in the United States. The, the Joint Sta Chiefs of Staff had finally approved on paper uh, the Nazi scientist program. They're like th this, this memo was informing the, and it, it was making clear that the importance of recovering uh, Nazi scientists and technology was like second to none. That was like, we, we need to do this. And it needs to happen. This actual memo 
and we'll learn, we'll, you know, we can talk about this a little bit later. Like everybody, everybody likes to think that the U.S. government was completely complicit in all of the things that happened. But the thing is, I'm not, I'm not justifying it, but I'm also trying, I'm just trying to add context is that the, the U.S. government post World War II was not all in lockstep. No. There, there were factions within the government. There were, um, there were tons of uh, like mi- military operations, intelligence operations that were operating in parallel in post-war, you know, post-victory Germany at this time against and executive nobody orders. Nobody really knew what was going on. Just crazy to me. Like, uh, get into it later. But like, when the when the president of the United States is coming out openly against this operation and it still goes through, like, it just. Well, uh, President Truman at the time, he didn't even know about this this memo. He he wasn't even made aware of the initiative like starting that started in 1945. Like the, they didn't even tell him the Joint Chiefs of Staff, which are all the highest ranking military members, the United States military didn't even tell him. Are we talking uh, about Overcast? This is still like, yeah, we're still in kind of Overcast. It hasn't been named okay. par- Paperclip yet. It hasn't earned the name yet. So um, they... Uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff made it that they would uh, put the Military Intelligence Division of the War Department uh, G2 in charge of this of this operation. So uh, this would become what was known as Operation Overcast, which is kind of the it's another precursor to Operation Paperclip. Right. So on this list, it didn't just they actually didn't just. Uh, put scientists and engineers and things, but they also added the names of Nazi bureaucrats, businessmen, accountants, lawyers, uh, anybody who would have, uh, you know, knowledge of the inner workings of the Third Reich. Let's just, let's just, this is so wild in war times that to me, the President Truman goes, no Nazis safe. We are going to Every single one of them is going to pay for their crimes. We are not going to help any Nazi member that is, you know, has done war crimes. And that's it. Executive order. We're like, we're not doing none of this shit is happening under my watch. And then the military's like, yeah, well, execute this operation. We don't give a fuck. Operation. We don't give a fuck is commencing. Well, it just goes to show you like, who's the, like, obviously he's not pulling the strings. Right, exactly. You like it's just, and that's like, I'm sure there's we'll a get sh- into it later. Dude, there's a shadow government. There's a shadow well, government right there. Exactly. It proves and it. you're going to tell me that this fucking list that got us with a name on it that got us to the motherfucking moon just randomly was floating in the top of fucking toilet, and some rando was like, "Hey, man, this might be interesting. Want to have a look?" Well, how, like, well no. Okay, well, you keep saying that. So what? How did they get the list? Then how did they get the names? Well, exactly. That's what I'm wondering. Like th- those names got into their hands for a fucking reason. Same reason why they got the fucking jobs that they got. Same reason why when the, the fucking president of the United States came out against this and said, we're not doing this. No Nazi war criminals are going to fucking be brought into the United States of America, protected and given fucking jobs. But yet they still were. Okay. So you're, we're going conspiracy route. So you're saying 100%. a shadow government playing both sides of the war, maybe they're financial or maybe whoever they are, they see the, they see the tide turning in the war. They're like, okay, these not the Nazi party, we, we've been supporting for our personal gain is being defeated. The scientists that discovered all this technology are valuable. Let's just push them to the new superpower emerging, the United States of America, and uh, we'll continue to 
pull the strings from behind the curtain. Is that what you're saying? Because what what are they on the brink of? Like Dan said, they did it with this with this uh, aerospace fucking facility that they found. What are what were the Nazis on the fucking brink of? Well, they're talking about space travel. Space travel. Well, they space travel. They sent they did the V two make it? The V two didn't make it to space yet, did it? No, there uh, there are reports that though that perhaps the allies had recovered some plans or they had uh, interrogated some scientists that made the made claims that the Nazis had been already constructing rockets to launch into space. And there was kind of like drawing board or blueprints for rockets that would even go to Mars uh, at that time. Right. Well, it's, well, not, it's, it's not a stretch, right? If they got rockets that can shoot, a, you know, a thousand miles and they got, they got the start of like jet aircraft. There's no way those scientists were like, I, I bet you we can get out of like, I bet you we can get to orbit. You know, that was on their mind. Like, you know, that was coming. If they didn't get beat and the research kept going, that was on their mind. It's too far. I have a, when I think about this, I go like, well, it's not, it's not like unbelievable to say that the Nazis had big plans because like plans were found about de Glocka, right? The time traveling Nazi bell. So it's like they, they had big plans and big ambitions, but it's like how much got destroyed before the allies got their hands on it. Right. Were there were there better plans? Were there better models than what we currently know? Because it was destroyed in that period of time to make sure the allies didn't get it. Right. So in September of 1945, you have uh, formed what is known as the Joint Intelligence Committee, the JIC. Uh, the JIC is remarked on by some historians to be one of the most kind of secretive or uh, like it's one of these organizations that they, they said is it, it's really hard to pin down because it was always shifting. Like there was committees within subcommittees within subcommittees and people just doing pretty much anything that they wanted at this time. I mean, after after a period of war, there's absolute bureaucratic bureaucratic chaos. So there's just you have a bunch of like people just kind of doing whatever they want. But this this JIC actually advised the Joint Chiefs um, of the U.S. and they they made estimates. They gave them estimates and numbers that the Soviet Union was the next biggest threat. One hundred percent guaranteed them that they were going to postpone open conflict with the West. Like they 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 told the Joint Chiefs and you know they made the military aware that. Relations with the Soviet Union were untenable. There's no way that the 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 philosophies, the politics uh, would mesh and that eventually war with the Soviet Union in their eyes was inevitable. And they said that they gave them numbers where they said that the the Soviet Union would probably be able to rebuild its military arsenal by 1952 to be back at complete fighting strength and then ready. And then at that time, it would turn its resources against the Western countries, Western capitalist countries. Well, how convenient is this? So this is when you get the little conspiracy is, so the United States enters World War II. They amass this gigantic, like, war machine. They, like, all their factories, the whole country is put to work through the war, right? It, it's a boom. Like, the whole country's put to work. The war is ended. They have all this industry built. They need a new target. Like, they need, so now the war is over, the whole economy is now based on constructing this war machine. They need a new enemy. It so happens that the Soviets, how many people did they like, what did they lose? Like 25 million people 
in, uh, the Soviet Union, yeah. 17 million. So, like millions and millions of people. Like it's unbelievable wow. how what's the price the Soviet Union paid. And then the ideology difference of communism, they're like, okay, the war's over. We have this huge industry of arms manufacturing. What's the new enemy? What's that's what's we have to have a next target almost. Like all of a sudden now so, it's Soviet. So you're 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 saying that that's the beginning of like the military industrial complex is this is the end of World War II of them being like some powers that be or some businessmen are like yo if we're not fighting we're gonna be fucked and that's the start of this right here is like is is this portion in time right here where they're they're just right we need something else to fight well that was like I don't know if, have you ever watched uh, the true history of the United States the Oliver Stone documentary this is what he talks uh, about is how when the war ended, like they had this war machine that needed to continue or the economy would drop. And then the Soviets, because of like the Iron Curtain came down, no one, there was no information in or out. So it was much, it was like easy to do that. And because what he says in the documentary is because the United States did that, the Soviets did the same. And then it just started a 25 year war, 30 dude, year war. I, I, I constantly question what I believe on this because I'm like from the West and listen, I'm, I'm not saying I'm pro Russia. <laughs> I'm not a Russian operative, but I'm just saying it's like, <laughs> are you, are you, aren't we're, you? We're know much that. closer to the U S and you know what I mean? Like the Western ideologies, they're telling us what to believe. Like this is, this was the threat and we had to believe that. But I'm like, how much of that, how much of what we've been taught has been propaganda from that military industrial complex, Right. Because I'm sure if you like people from Russia have a completely different fucking view of the of that timeline than we do, so it's it's interesting. It's always interesting to me of like, okay, well, whose propaganda is closer to the truth? It's it's like it's impossible to know 100 percent truth. I don't I think, but um, so let's just sum it up real quick, and then we'll take a beer break. So the allies are allies are winning the war. They have their team of scientists and engineers falling behind the army, collecting all. Nazi technology and research that they can find. We get to where we are now. They're they're collecting the scientists. They've started the op was an operation uh, Overcast. Overcast. Uh, the jo yeah. the JIC is now it's going to be renamed Paperclip, and this this is when we start to bring. That's this is when the actual the migration of the Nazis into America begins. But we'll get right. to that right after a quick beer break. Beer right back, and we're back. So the uh, the Joint Chiefs and the Joint Intelligence Committee have uh, recognized, officially recognized the utility of bringing over German scientists. So they begin this program, um, which is Operation Overcast, to to find a way to emigrate the Nazi scientists over to the United States and able to bring them over. Originally, it was planned to be temporary. Uh, they wanted to bring the scientists over, pretty much squeeze them for as much information as they could, and then, you know, send them back to Germany. That was the original plan. Um, Why would you bother bringing them all the way over? Why wouldn't you just interrogate them there? Like, you've you've already divided <laughs> Berlin into sections, and the United States owns a section of fucking Berlin. No, it's easy. Like, yeah, dude. It's it's. We all like, know why. It's because that was... Yeah. Temporary was never a fucking thing. That was just a way to, like... Bring it here. That's like if, like, if I, Andrew, I was fucking poor on the street. And I'm like, hey, Andrew, I got to move in temporarily. And you're like, okay. 
And then soon I'm living on your couch for free for the next four months. You're like, what the fuck, dude? This was supposed to be temporary. And I'm like, well, it is. But like exactly. I'll what you're die saying. eventually. Like, it, it's definitely <laughs> bullshit because at this point in time, Truman has a fucking travel ban on fucking immigrants who were part of the Nazi party. Like that was illegal. They weren't allowed to bring them over. Like you right. could have easily went within the, the fucking law and did these interrogations and all this bullshit in fucking Europe or in Berlin, wherever, but instead you dragged them all the way to the United States. Like, well, yeah, that was kind of the thing, uh, within the scientific community and things like that and military community, they knew that like you could, you could recover the equipment. You could bring it back to the United States. You could rebuild, try to rebuild the V2 rocket, but that didn't mean that you knew how to fly it. Like they so knew they, that they needed the scientists there. They needed their expertise to fully put the, the well, yeah, the thing together. No, it's I, not I know all just put. It's not all just bolts and screws. No, it's like it's, they know they needed the scientists. Expertise. The first, the first couple boats came over and they dropped all these fucking rockets and shit, like all these parts. And they're like, all right, guys, build it. And they're like, we don't understand German. Exactly. I don't know what the fuck to do here, dude. That's exa- like, exactly exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. These are all half plans. <laughs> yeah, like what do you mean? Well, yeah, you get so you find all the schematics and plans for the rockets and maybe some rockets maybe they're not full rockets and then you drop them off of your engineers who have never made a successful rocket and you're like fix this and they're like nope fix what what is it is what this is scrap that metal i don't know it just goes Yeehaw. to show you how like they're just they were they were legitimately light years fucking ahead of everyone else at this point in time bringing the nazi scientists over for the rocket program saved them 20 years of research and development of them trying to how that's fucking crazy. 20 years ahead. Like, has there ever been that large of a gap? Well, I would, I would actually kind of try to put that in the, like, try to think of the idea of 20 years of, 20 years of, of research and development from 1930. Like, their frame of reference would be different. Like, I mean, if you think of today, what, what 20 years was before crazy. now, like, I mean, 20 years ago, what was it? 19, no, it 2000 2000 now. like early 2000s oh we're years ahead today these guys are playing fucking we're we're playing n64s and they're playing fucking ps fucking fives dude exactly right. like crazy but their their frame of reference would be different so listen and imagine they're not sharing that ps5 technology with us i'd be <laughs> fucking pissed too <laughs> crazy man so by the end of 1946 um about 160 at this point, 160 Nazi scientists had been uh, moved to the United States, like secreted into the United States of America. Uh, the single largest group was actually the uh, over 100, you know, about 115 rocket scientists that they sent to Fort Bliss, Texas, which were led by Werner von Braun. Oh, he comes back. So he took his uh, Werner von Braun was actually very, uh, you know, you can read you can read stuff about this, uh, how cooperative that that Werner von Braun was with the allies. Like he turned himself in to the allies. He knew his value. Um, uh, a lot of the interrogators would, would remark on on his his remarkable amount of hubris. Like he would go in there he, when he surrendered himself, like he was taking pictures with the allies, like the people <laughs> who were supposed to be arrested, arresting him. Like he was taking pictures with soldiers, smiling, you know, cracking jokes with these fuckers. He's like a rock he was star. just, yeah. Everybody's dying to get a picture with Dr. Strangelove. <laughs> like, let's be honest here. <laughs> 
<laughs> right. And uh, like, and Werner von Braun was the, yeah, is actually the, um, you know, the model for Dr. Strangelove. Have you seen that? If you've seen that movie, Werner von Braun was the, uh, uh, the character, the character is based on him. So they launched, they actually managed to launch their first V2 rocket on U.S. soil at White Sands Military Base uh, in April of 1946. Uh, they said that it, it climbed to about three miles and that's where one of the fins actually fell off. Can't, can't be perfect but, on the first try. <laughs> um, but this was enough to inspire Von Braun, uh, Von Braun to actually draft a memo. I don't know if it was ever sent to actually to the, you know, Robert Oppenheimer, father of the atomic bomb, uh, director of Los Alamos. And he proposed the idea of taking his missile and his atomic bomb and putting them together. You know, you've got a, you've got a missile, you've got a, a bomb, put them together make a baby <laughs> missile bomb they make a baby <laughs> science man they made a baby you bring over a, a nazi scientist like rocket scientist whose main mission was to build rockets to blow people up and the first thing he gets to the states is says hey i have a way to blow up people even better yeah right. I, listen i see what I you're doing the best here. idea i see what is, you're doing here i say do you speak of my language <laughs> I got this wicked idea. We're going to put these bomb and this missile together. We're going to get it done. We're going to get it done really fast because if the workers don't work fast enough, we're going to hang them. This is genius. <laughs> now, now, Werner, like now Werner, on America, you can't just hang people like that. <laughs> Give them time. Shiza. <laughs> now, yeah. the biggest issue that the U.S. military was having with bringing over these scientists is with the State Department, because if you wanted to bring over people to work in the United States, you had to issue them visas. So going through the State Department was extremely important. And the State Department had their own officials that worked with the like the JIC and the uh, Joint Chiefs, like trying to get these people over there. Um, but there was uh, resistance. Eh, just bring them in through Mexico. Problem solved. Bingo, bango, yeah. bongo. Mexico, Canada. <laughs> Give them a fake passport. Boom. There you go. Easy peas. Well, originally, Army intelligence officers who were uh, working and reviewing the Office of Military Government United States Security Reports for certain scientists, uh, which were either deemed like pretty much like high offenders, uh, people who had either won awards or made important contributions to the Nazi party, like these people, um, also people who were deemed Nazi ideologues, like people who were hardcore Nazis, which is a majority of the scientists that work for the Third Reich. These people were completely under, you know, at the time, like they were absolutely ineligible, eligible for um, for entry into the United States, like under the, the current wording uh, during that administration. Like you couldn't if you were a Nazi or you ever believed in Nazis, you even like said Nazi like you would never uh, if you even out, looked bud. at the swastika, you, were, you weren't come back to the United States. Yeah. I mean, so, hence yeah. all these cover stories of like. I didn't know what was happening in my own factory where everyone was creating my designs that I created from scratch. I had no idea. What? What was happening? Oh, God. The horror. Bullshit. Intelligence officers working within the army came up with this workaround that um, those scientists that were identified as people who were, you know, 
ardent Nazis. Uh, these files would not be presented to the State Department right away. Their plan and mm. their workaround was to actually was uh, to lie. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Well, pretty much. Well, not lie. Again, this is this is the United States government. This is well, not just the United States government. I would say bureaucracy. Like it's just like they would they their idea was that they would take these men instead of issuing them visas or having them apply for visas, they would have these men come to the United States and remain under military custody. So uh technically you know, prisoners of war. Right. Mm. And <laughs> <laughs> so um these uh the files of the um the files that they found uh most difficult are these ones that they they um that they identified as would probably be problems or problematic in getting the United States uh getting US visas was they they would put they would attach paper clips to these files. So from then on the I love Nazi when they say the program, name in the movie. <laughs> would become Operation Paperclip. Paperclip. It's whatever. They just see something like, that's that'll work. Just look to the right. left. There it is. Paperclip. So if you're wondering where they get the idea, uh, somebody had said that the Army names their projects after anything to the left yeah. uh, or to the right. <laughs> like, uh, you know, they actually named this after where, you know, the Paperclip. So it's yeah. Operation Paperclip. Everyone, a- Operation Look to Your Left. Headphones. Brutal. <laughs> Outlet. <laughs> Operation Outlet. Piss jug. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you were lying. He's not. <laughs> uh, so... So 1946, things start changing. So you have this, you have a memo that is circulated by the Assistant Secretary of War, Howard Peterson, which uh, cites America's natural, nat- national interest. And they would change the language of the core principle that guided uh, Paperclip. And so bringing over these Nazi scientists. And so they changed um, no known or alleged war criminals and no active Nazis, uh, they would change. Uh, they would change it to um, people. No persons who would try to plan for the resurgence of German military potential, and that would allow them. They figured to bypass uh, the the uh, the departments that were issuing visas. I mean, like when, if you look back in history though, like, yes, let's be honest, like what the Nazis did, it was completely fucked up. They did horrible, terrible, heinous things that are completely unforgivable. But <laughs> when you look back in time, like, especially like I thought about this first, when we went back to, when we did the dragon emperor, Chin Shuang, he did the same thing. Like when he would conquer people, he would enlist members of the fucking people that he conquered as high-ranking generals and shit in his army. You look at Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan did the exact same fucking thing. You know what I mean? And I'm sure those those are just two names that I know of, but I'm sure it's it, the it only was common two. practice. <laughs> Wait, well, that, those are only two that I can name, but I'm a fucking dummy. Dan Smart. The spoils of war are more than just re, like resources and like money. It's also like knowledge and like people with know-how, right? Like If you can take well, those... Yeah, exactly. and Zell's 100% correct. Uh, the philosophy had kind of changed uh, within the military... Uh, like the military higher ups uh, after World War One, I'm pretty sure, or uh, that they had changed kind of the rules, like Geneva Conventions or whatever. I can't remember exactly, but they had outlawed looting, so you couldn't loot anything. 
um, beyond like token, like you could take like token treasures. I think that's why you get some, uh, you know, World War II veterans came back with like samurai swords and like other weird shit they they looted from like Reich, you know, wherever. But um, they had kind of changed the philosophy that if we can't take reparations, if we can, if, if that's not going to work uh, in the form of monetary compensation, then why shouldn't we reap the benefits of the research and technology that this country had used or had planned to use against us. And especially if they had knowledge of that, I'm going to butcher it, but there's like the Osavayakin that what the fucking Soviets were doing. If they were aware of that, right? If they knew that they were snatching up Nazi scientists, we're going to be like, well, fuck, we need all the Nazi nerds too. Well, they said like, that's pretty much what the, how they justified it is. They thought of it as the lesser of two evils. Like, okay, if we don't get all these guys, Either they're going to go to the Soviets or the Soviets are just going to take all of them and take all that advancement that they have. So they're almost like put they're put between like between a rock and a hard place. Like, OK, we take these war wow. criminals who have super advanced knowledge of rocketry and weaponry and like futuristic weapons that we don't have. Or or we give that to the uh, the other major player in winning the war and they take everything. See, I don't, I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that works that well because I don't know you can justify it that way because Operation Ozaviakim or whatever the fuck it's called was in 1946. So these operations by the states have already begun. So you could make the opera, like you could make the argument for the other side to be like Operation Ozaviakim only happened and it happened completely different, very fast, very quickly with a lot of people involved. You could say that it happened that way for them because they realized what the states were doing. Yeah. And they're like, holy shit, we are behind the eight ball. We thought we were fucking splitting up this pizza pie here of Berlin. These motherfuckers are grabbing the scientists. We now have to combat them on that. Like you could make that argument. I'm sure like I don't I'm assuming that they didn't have the pleasure of looking at the Ossenberg list. Like I know I know the list was initially given to MI6, but I don't know if like that list had been had been distributed without throughout the Third Reich. So throughout Germany and other places like that, people knew of that list. Again, Listen, it was like it was a in toilet list. it was in toilet bowls all over Germany. <laughs> it was like like this is a list of contexts that you would have posted on like a like a bulletin board like you would have them up there like hey if i want to know about sarin gas i need to talk i need to talk to dr otto von ambrose like you I know need what to call it was guy like here's what it is i thought of it hitler hated nerds so much he actually had all their names written on toilet paper that was just in every household in germany he's like nerds now everyone will wipe their ass with wipes their asses with these shit yeah, tickets with these with nerds on it. With all these nids names, and that's why every single person had this list because it's just the toilet paper in Germany. Uh, we we've definitely we definitely talked at length about uh, Werner von Braun and uh, the the rocketry programs and things like this. Uh, the f while researching this topic, um, I kind of asked the question, or you know, I thought of the question. I was like, okay, so. Uh, where the how far were the allies really behind in technology uh to to the germans now why didn't we have rockets why didn't we have these things um the 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 most common answer that came up with uh from historians and things well yep aliens yep that's who wanted that list to get out i mean that was the number one answer number two answer was that uh that these weapons that the, the weapons that the the nazis were building they were they were 
attributing or they were they were dedicating so many resources to these weapons and things like this, but they didn't work as well. They weren't like functional. They were exotic weapons. Like these weapons were again, the V2 wasn't a, a supremely uh, effective weapon. It was a terror weapon. Yes, it's fucking terrifying that you're flying a, a super rocket, but it wasn't able to strategically like hit strategic targets. Not like, yet. If you launched it, you'd be lucky to get it within a mile yeah, but it wasn't of just where you that. wanted to put it. It wasn't just the V2 rocket, though. They've been ahead on every aspect. Like, look at World War One when they came up with the fucking machine guns. Well, not necessarily. Like, During World War Two, like, the, the Brits, they knew about rocket technology. They knew about these things. The, the, even though the Nazis had constructed things like the Messerschmitts, uh, the Emmys, was it, 62s? Uh, I can't remember. The, the, their jet aircraft. And they flew those on combat missions against... Uh, against allied uh, aircraft, like uh, aircraft bombers. And they had a, a pretty outstanding record. But the fact was, you couldn't keep those things up in the air. Like the, the jet engine technology, it just wasn't, like it wasn't there. They had dedicated all these resources to build these technologies, but they just didn't have, it wasn't sustainable at their, at, at the time. At the time. Like they, they, yeah, you couldn't keep those things for up in the air for more than like five minutes. They, the the Messerschmitts, uh, oh, the rocket power aircraft. What five minutes it was. It well, was they would keep it up there for five minutes. five minutes and then it would have to glide. It would actually have to glide back Listen, to Listen, Dan, what's wrong with five minutes? Five hmm. minutes of pure That's a lot of time, Dan. That's a long Not time. That's a long like Dan, that's bombers. a long time. Like when you have 20 bombers flying in, in formation and you've hey, got man, like- <laughs> how many? How much of Europe can you cover in five minutes? Let's be honest. Stones throw away every country. Exactly. Five minutes in heaven is better than no minutes in heaven. Yeah, brother. Damn straight. <laughs> that's what Fuck I'm saying. Though, if they didn't, that's so, coming from the Minuteman, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> if the, the technology wasn't quite there yet, but say they had another six months or another year, and they kept, and they found a way to produce these more reliably, they were way ahead of anything that that allies had, though. They were much farther ahead. Yeah, they were they were ahead of us in in some technologies. Uh, rocketry, not again. I will say not so much because I'm pretty sure the rock like rocket technology was on the table in in Britain and the United States. Like we had built jet engines, we just figured that we just didn't need them because producing them would take too much uh it, it, too much resources and things like that. It wasn't functional or whatever, but where the Nazis were very ahead of us was biological and chemical research. Like that's what we really wanted. Uh, the, the Nazis were like miles ahead of us. They had invented, um, uh, sarin gas. Like if you, if you look it up, like sarin, like S A R I N sarin nerve gas, the nerve agent, um, it was was invented. It was derived. What was the first, it was derived from the different gas though, a tabin or, Right. Tabin was like their super secret one that nobody had known about. They didn't even hear about until the the allies began like interrogating uh, Nazi scientists like uh, after they had taken them prisoner. Like they, they figured it out later, like in the, in the late 1940s about this Tabun gas and the Tabun gas was a type of was it organophosphate, uh, almost like a pesticide type of chemical and the, the Nazi the Nazis I don't think they had ever planned to really deploy them because if they wanted to they could have they had them they were I, I think that's also kind of a question that I didn't really fully explore for this thing is why the Nazis didn't deploy these things because it wasn't so much that the the 
the allies wanted to know how to make these weapons. They wanted to know how to make them in industrial quantities, right? You know? Because the the plan was after World War II, again, like the GIC had told the United States, like you're we're gonna have to go up against the Soviets soon, and the Soviets will be prepared for total war. They made a point to to uh, to drive home the the concept that we would be fighting a war with no limits. Like it would be atomic, biological or and chemical. So ABC Fucking warfare is going to be on match. the table. Mm. Yeah. Triple it, threat. Hardcore. <laughs> TLC uh, bag- baby ladder yeah. match. What's the one with the alley alley match? Yeah. Oh yeah. Think about, you know what I mean? Like it sounds like these guys didn't have every opportunity to work on this type of shit, though. Like, if you you look at Von Braun, for for instance, like, he got fucking put in jail. You know what I mean? For how long was it? Two months before the end of the war by Himmler because Himmler wanted to seize control of the rocket production. You know what I mean? Like, these guys still had to work under these fucking nut jobs that wanted to be fucking in total control and to be pulling the strings. Do you... Do you know what that kind of tells me though? When I when I when I read that and I was looking into that, what it looked like to me, why Werner von Braun was in jail? I'm like that was like that seems ridiculous. I think Werner von Braun was so was he was such an intellect that he knew the like end was nigh kind of thing. I think he put him in jail because he knew that Werner von Braun was like making steps to make sure he would be protected in the inevitable loss of the Germans. Well, that's what the, the, the excuse that Himmler gave was the fact that he was spouting off defeatist fucking Exactly. Comments. But that I think, I think it more so was that he was prepping instead of like putting all his resources into like continuing to help the Germans. I think he was like padding his own like escape essentially. Digging graves and burying fucking documents. No, burying documents, <laughs> and that's why I think he. I, that's why I think he got thrown in jail. I think because he got found out that he was like, he was, you know, looking out for number one, and Heimler was like, "Fuck this guy, throw him in jail, fuck him, he's useless." And then you know, it, it just turned out that he was too valuable to leave in there. Throw him in jail. I'm the rocket man now. I yeah. I I'm I control the rockets. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so let's let's bring it back now. Let's so they bring the, they bring over these Nazi scientists. They bypass the visa requirements. Now, what what happens next? We got they're they're de- developing the rockets at White Sands base. He says, "Hey, I can put one of these. Maybe we can put one of these atomic bombs on this war, on this rocket." Now, now where where are, where are we with the development of technology? So at this point in time, though, all these Nazis that are brought under over are all supposedly non-Nazis, misunderstood Germans that have been rescued. We didn't know. We we don't know what you're talking about. We are nice people. Could you imagine being the like Jewish refugee scientists that have come to the States and they're like working on these fucking, in these aerospace, you know, labs. And then all of a sudden fuck Warner Von Braun walks in and you're just like, um, what? (laughs) Like, hello? Uh, excuse me? (laughs) Like, Oh man, you'd be shit. I have pants. no problem with the filthy Jews. No, no problem at that, all. That's, that's yeah, my the, cousin. The allies, the allies, as they they marched across Europe, like they were uncovering these facilities again. Like they they recovered, you know, people, prisoners, slave labor, uh, like slaves that were working at Nordhausen. Like they they rec- they helped these people, like people who had been there. I think that like they said like something like thirty thousand 
people had died, like of the 60,000 people that went to go work at the slave labor that went to work at Nordhaus and like half of them died. So 30,000 had died there. And it's like when they, when they found that area, when they recovered that area, it was just like, there were like corpses piled up, like on the side of like railroad tracks and stuff and going inside the the fucking base. It's just, yeah, it's like, (laughs) it's hard. Cause like, you know what? We'd like to try and make light of situations and have a little, you know, a few jokes here and there, but like, we can't take away from what happened. Like the shit that they fucking did was the most horrendous, horrible shit to ever happen in the history of the world. Yeah. I won't fucking yeah. Reading through all this stuff. Like we want, I I don't know how, like, I don't think we'll get into a lot of the details, but researching for this, it's like, it it was just reading about a shitload of Nazi war crimes. Like I was like, this is, this is all insane. Like this is the stuff that happened at some of these facilities is absolutely nuts. Like uh, if you can imagine again, it's, it's, it's science without, you know, without morals Yeah, (laughs) and it's without scruples. And it's just like when you, when you just let them loose and they're just like, yeah, um, we're tired of uh, like, it's like, okay, we've experimented on a couple rats. Yeah. Bring, bring those, bring some people in here. Yeah. Dude, bring them. It, yeah. It's cr- it, the oxygen deprivation experiments exactly. on people. Do we get to space? With, do we get to space without those experiments? Fucking struggled. One of the guys that they brought over with Von Braun experimented on hypoxic fucking oxygen deprivation tests with anyone from children to adults. Like and he's the guy, he was the pioneer of the fucking spacesuit we used when we went to the moon. It, it's right. It's like, like sickening. Andrew said, that a lot of these scientists would end up going on to pioneer a lot of the technology that would allow us to build like high altitude aircraft. Uh, a lot of the, uh, the technology that allowed us to build a craft that would take us to the moon. Um, you're not sending kids to space. Why are you testing on kids, motherfucker? You're not. There's no space kids. It's horrible that you know of. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Um. Yeah. The the experiments that 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 the, these Nazi scientists that were eventually brought over to the United States to be put in in positions of you know directors of research facilities military research facilities civilian research facilities um uh i i don't know if we want to get into it as far but um you know a lot of them were founding members or they, they were very prominent members in nasa like when nasa was first started um a lot of these nazi uh engineers and scientists were put in high Positions. Werner von Braun because. is directly responsible for the Saturn V rocket that led to the Apollo missions. And he exactly. was a member of the SS. Not just a Nazi. Not just a card-carrying Nazi. He was part of the fucking SS. And let's not forget. Let's not forget for one second that this is a fact. As he's working in the States, Werner von Braun gets caught trying to give information to German military, German intelligence. Like, and he's like, oh, I I have the perfect excuse. Like, I've just, I've hid material that he needs to find. No big deal. It's like, (laughs) it's not a big deal. No, it's not no big deal. No. I'm like, what the fuck? Like he's reporting back to German, like fucking generals and shit. I'm like, no one had an issue with that at all. Like, this is wild. 
the the excuses they made for this person, like we already talked about, it. we Grecky, one of the guys that would Dan the Midverg, Middleverg, where they where they Middlerks, were, yeah, where they're commissioning the V two rocket. This is where it was getting built. This is where Jews were getting hung five at a time for being slow. Okay, Warner von Braun was working at this facility, overseeing things with this Grecky guy. <laughs> this is where everything starts coming to light when things are sketchy because. Gricky gets brought up during the Nuremberg trials and they're like, okay, hey, we need to track this guy down and we need to try him for his fucking war crimes. They try to find him. And where do they find him? Fucking Huntsville in the States. Well, so he gets, <laughs> and he wasn't, he was supposed to be, he was supposed to be in Germany. And then the USA was like, <laughs> yeah, so he's at the right. Where Patterson. is he supposed to be in Germany? <laughs> Whoops. So they send over somebody to interrogate him to find out if he needs to be tried during the Nuremberg trials. They also say, you know what? We're going to bring in everybody that fucking worked with this prick. Who else worked with this prick? Werner von Braun. Okay, fantastic. You need to interrogate that fucker too because we want to bring him back to Germany. Oh, so why can't... Did he get to interrogate von Braun Braun? Of course not. Why? Because he was on fucking vacation. <laughs> They, they legitimately said this guy, they're like, no, sorry, he's out of town right now. And like, what do you fucking mean he's out of town? He's a prisoner of war, essentially, at this fucking base. Working for a you man. and you gave him a weekend pass? The motherfucker's on furlough? Like, what do you mean? <laughs> he, a man who has committed atrocious war crimes or has been a part of committing atrocious war crimes, he's on vacation. It's yeah. his time. He went they served he's not up paid. Ass. He doesn't have to be the interview. He they served up Grecky because he had obviously way less to fucking offer than Von Braun. They protected Von Braun until he fucking died. They didn't let anything fucking come out about any of these fucks until they died. These guys were heroes. Von Braun has a fucking like university dedicated to him, does he not? Like I wouldn't be surprised if something to do with like space exploration, he's got to have some type of memorial or something. Um, you you have a number of of, of uh, prestigious awards in in aeronautics and space exploration. Like a lot of those awards are actually named after former Nazi scientists. It's bananas. Um, it, researching for this, uh, it it was kind of incredible to to see the um or read about the reports and accounts of how it, it's strange. Like like you see these scientists. Um, fellow scientists from the United States. Okay. It, it kind of gives you a, a little bit of perspective is like how small the world was at that point. Like if you were a prestigious scientist, you had probably been through one of the universities in the United States. Like you had been through like MIT, was the MIT or like you'd been through one of those like at Boston, like Harvard, you'd or one of any of those kind of big name facility, big name universities or stuff like that. Uh, you'd been Open to Germany. Uh, before the war had broken out, like actually a lot of the scientists that we had recruited in the United States, like who knew who were studying biological or chemical weapons, they knew about these science, these German scientists, like these dudes were like celebrities to them. They had authored like authored tons of papers. They had done, you know, hundreds of studies, uh, that, groundbreaking studies uh, when they uh, that 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 pushed the boundaries of science and 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 people you know extremely light enlightening about different types of chemicals and how they interacted with either humans or how they interacted with the environment anything like that but yeah. 
when these scientists you you put these scientists and into how like long a military, humans can live without breathing oxygen like shit like that yeah just well, really, I mean, they, really useful stuff really good stuff but some of them didn't know that or some of them didn't uh, the united states scientists i'm talking about they didn't know about some of these or they hadn't been completely informed about some of these uh experiments but like meeting these meeting these scientists for some of them was like meeting a fucking rock star you know, it was like, I have, I have read things about you. Like I have, I have based my whole career around the things that you have published. Like you, you guys are amazing. And the weird thing is, is like a lot of the German scientists and Nazi scientists, like these guys, they, they knew their value, you know, and, and perhaps they didn't completely, I know you could make mm-hmm. arguments that a lot of, um, I know I've read a couple of things where like Hitler actually had like a, an admir held a, a type of admiration for the United States, like capitalist ideals, kind of all this weird shit about the United States. And, um, you know, so he felt like philosophically, he felt that the, the, the third Reich would get along with a lot, uh, a lot easier with the United States. So their ideologies and stuff would gel, would gel more with the United States. So when these scientists and stuff, uh, you know, interacted with, they had no problem like fitting in to America. Like once they switched over and a lot of them had like an enormously easy time to switching allegiances. They're like, yeah, whatever. Sure. Like we don't care. Like we didn't Nazi, whatever. Like I, I don't give a shit. Like, you know, whatever they, I don't care. Well, they like brought, just, like, they, they brought with them jobs, right? They, all these guys, Werner Braun Braun, he's got a giant facility made for him, which eventually, you know, became the fucking labs that they created the fucking Saturn rockets and shit like that. And like they created jobs in these in Huntsville and wherever the places they went, you know, yeah, I mean? for dummies like us, these fucking guys, <laughs> like the, to the scientists, these guys come over and they're like, listen, these fucking guys already broke a few eggs to fucking make the omelet. We listen. don't have to do all these horrendous fucking tests because they did. And we know what happens to human beings when they're deprived of oxygen or when they go to these fucking sub-zero temperatures. You know what I mean? Like it's, he's still creating jobs. He's got four idiots talking about him on a podcast. Mm. Touche. Right? Like, Right, like he's still creating jobs. They created, they created full industries, not just jobs, like entire new fields of like you know of space travel and like all the different fields of science that go along with that. They all that all came over. Yeah, not not even just that. Um, I know Truman had hired, like he had pretty much when they started to bring or or started to develop the idea of bringing over Nazi scientists or at least taking the knowledge that was developed by Nazi scientists in Germany and bringing it over to the United States. I know he got the, um, the department of commerce on board to create a campaign to, uh, highlight the advantages and the advancements, not only in, not only in, uh, areas like military, uh, technology, but things like, you know, being able to, uh, being able to disinfect fruit or vegetables without heat, like being able to do that, being able to have non run hosiery, you know, (laughs) ladies could wear stockings that wouldn't run, um, being able to build, uh, or create like synthetic rubber was a big thing. You know, you would have these, you you would create entire job sectors based around some of these technologies and it it would, it would allow people to create their own businesses. Like people, like it, it almost revolutionized the entire small business economy. People would be able to start their own businesses because, you know, uh, resources and, and, and stuff would be cheaper and more available to everyone. 
it's crazy. It's, I don't know. Like this one's tough for me, man, because it's like, yeah, what they, what these people are guilty of was absolutely horrendous and we can point the finger and, and blame and they do deserve the blame. But like, it's not even just that, like you look back and you look at general motors, Coca-Cola, Kodak, all these other fuck like American companies that were profiting off the fucking third Reich. You know what I mean? Like this shit is just poison to its fucking core, man. The core, you could you could search the list of corporations that were complicit in the Reich's rise to power and through their like through the war machine, and you could go forever. Like all the all the auto manufacturers, all the chemical manufacturers in Germany, all those people, they're all a lot of those companies are still in business today, and they were they were directly responsible for creating some of these like the nerve agents, and like they were, had the facilities that were taken over by the party, but they were complicit in aiding like aiding these crimes against humanity in the end though what comes out of it is like such scientific advancement that it pushes the world forward like imagine like this world war 2 never happened where would we be where would we be like as far as technology like would we be 50 years behind right now would we ever really discovered like a lot of the stuff or we'd be just getting there now or I know, I know there's a couple arguments to be made about why the, or how, like, Soviet, like, during the Cold War, like, early days of the Cold War, you had the, the Soviets were doing their, their whole uh, recovery of Nazi scientists and, and their thing, you know, the competing, not just Operation Osafiakim, but there was a couple of their other ones. Uh, Operation Osafiakim was specifically, I think, about rocket technology, but uh, as far as biological and chemical technologies, I think some of that's just, that stuff's still classified. The, um, there is a kind of argument to be like, the United States got like they retrieved a lot of these German scientists and a lot of these German scientists went to go on and live their lives, you know, relatively carefree in the United States in, in high ranking Soviet, positions, right. In high ranking positions. On the other hand, uh, operation of Viking, like the, the, the Germans, the, the Nazis, former Nazis were actually in the Soviet Union. They were treated as second class citizens like they when they did their projects, like they had no interaction with Soviet scientists almost at all. Like the, the, essentially the, the Soviets would squeeze every little bit of information to like translate these documents, put your shit on the fucking paper and then and then talk to our scientists and that's and it. Die. And then, and no, they wouldn't die. They'd be like, they'd send them, they actually sent them back to Germany. Like they would take them to Moscow and then they would just send them back to Germany because then there was a whole nother thing. Um, I mean, we probably won't get into today, but there's another one called like Operation Dragon Return. And that was the allied operation to recover a lot of the scientists that the, the, the Soviets had taken prisoner and then returned to Germany. And then there was the United States or the, yeah, because they wanted, the U S wanted to find out what the scientists had given to the Soviets. Exactly. Is, is what they were doing. Trying to double and juice. When you look at when you, when I look at it's so mind-boggling to me because when I look at those operations and I go, who handled the situations better? Like just from like looking at it, I'm going the, the Soviets who traded tr treated these scientists like war criminals or the United States who were like, come Treating on like in. We're, we're, you guys are our best friends. I'm like this the, the, to me, I'm like the Soviets. The Soviets seems like they treated that how it should have been treated. And then, I, like, even to get more into conspiracy realms, when you look at the fucking human 
experiments and shit they were doing on their own people and, you know, their prisoners of war and stuff like that. And then you start to look what happened to the United States after World War II. Like, you know, I, I, we don't have to get into it, but like, think about like things like Project MK Ultra, right? Oh, totally. In 53, you know, where they're doing human experiments on United States citizens. I'm like, that doesn't sound like the. The U.S., that sounds like shit that was going, that the Nazis were doing. Well, look at the name itself, MK Ultra, Mind control. The Nazis did, or not, sorry, not even just Nazis. Germans didn't use Cs. They used Ks for Cs. Mm. Like, it's all over the fucking name. Right. Interesting. How, how, how out of, how unrealistic is it to imagine that when they're bringing all, over all these scientists and stuff, that the CIA hasn't, you know, absorb some of these scientists and been like, what were you working on in Germany? And you have free reign to let's, let's work on some stuff here. And they come up with these kind of things. It, it makes perfect sense because they were so fucking ashamed of it. They went to such lengths to fucking bury this shit until I don't, Dan, you'll probably know her name better than anybody like that. Linda Hunt, the the fucking investigatory journalist that, <laughs> Little Zoolander quote. Investigatory. <laughs> Investigatory journalist. Um, went after this uh, for the Freedom Inf of Information Act to get the actual facts for this fucking Operation Paperclip. And they're like, okay, yeah, you have a legal right to these documents. And they gave it to her. And they also gave her a bill for $125,000 for Xeroxing fees. Yeah, there's a there's a whole thing about FOIA requests where it's a you know Freedom of Information Act in the United States. Like technically, they can bill you for like research fees. So like if they have to go and retrieve the documents, they have to make the copies of the documents. And they try to bill you. I think you can technically fight those in court, but yeah, they try to bill you for stuff to they put you through a bunch of hurdles for because some they of don't stuff. want you to have the information. Of Let's course, be right. honest. Like, yep. So yeah. There is a there's a ton of information about and here's Operation the thing. Paper. This is to me to me I'm like every single time we do one of these and I I mean if you're not on our Patreon me and Dan go through a lot of Cold War shit uh, and every single time we talk about Cold War operations like this I go this is the information that they're willing to give out and we fucking know for certain that there's information they're like. It doesn't matter how many FOIA requests you make; that information's gone. We it's, don't. We didn't even write it down. It doesn't we didn't even write that shit it down. It doesn't exist anymore. Like that, right? whatever like, you want to find, it's not there. Yeah, a lot of the information that I got for researching for this actual for this case file was I, I gleaned from the book um, Operation Paperclip by Annie Jacobson, who's a journalist and author. And uh, a lot of the information that she got, it's probably like the most recent information about operation paperclip she didn't she got it from foia requests and also she got it from actually talking to family members of the scientists the dr um, blom right like yeah kenia meyer dr blom like uh, his the, son the, yeah sons grandsons of these scientists who still lived either in europe or in uh parts of the united states like she got information from talking to them about um, about you know what their grandfathers and fathers had done uh, during the war, um, you know after the war and stuff like that. So she had put in a lot of work and I think I would definitely I would definitely recommend reading her book. It's a page turner. Like if you want to learn more about page, 
Operation Paperclip, read her book. It's fucking fantastic. It's she, great. She does a <laughs> she does a book on Area Fifty One as well. It's very interesting, and it touches on paper Operation Paperclip in that book. When looking into this one, it it really makes me think about like w- what we know about Soviet Russia, because in Annie Jacobson's book Area Fifty One, you know she she talks about Russia really targeting uh, aerospace engineers and like um, you know people who you know these brothers that were building uh, revolutionary aircrafts. We get into it more in Operation Oviakim or whatever the fuck it's called. But um, it makes me think how we're like when we look at the state of the world now and you know we've talked about it on um case file um ira the internet research agency uh there's been recent documentaries about it like the social dilemma and stuff about like how much we're being manipulated right now by social media and how much of that is russian influence and it makes me think to back then when you know when we were thinking that russia was grabbing smashing grabbing these scientists maybe they were more interested in like the propaganda machine of Germany, right? Because Germany had a whole country like believing this ideology that the rest of the world, you know, was like outside looking in was like, what the fuck is going on? And now we see Russia like so into like influencing, you know, ever since they, you know, they were doing it from, from the eighties, you know, we've talked about the, you know, the old, uh, U S government creating AIDS was a, Russian fake news story. They've been doing this for years and years unchecked and they've perfected it. And I wonder how much was that was from maybe like uh, propaganda agents that they recovered from Germany that were like, what were your steps? What they did? Like, what did they learn from Germany after world war two? Maybe that was some of the spoils of war that they got was that that's why they're light years ahead of us in this manipulation of like media. To very well be. I like they also were like, what about Sputnik too? You know what I mean? Like they fucking, they did pretty good. Yeah. That's, that's one of the you arguments know? that, uh, I know Annie Jacobson has talked about, um, in her book or not in her book, but somebody asked her a question. I remember reading a YouTube video with her or watching a YouTube video with her. They asked that question and she, she said, yeah, the, the Soviets did pretty good with just, you know, taking the, taking the scientists and squeezing them for information and sending them back to Germany. And they did perfectly fine. They got to space before we did. I mean, yeah. they launched Sputnik before we, they did. before the United States did. And the other, uh, you know, any other Western country did. Um, they did relatively fine. So that raises, you know, the question, could the United States or, you know, Western countries, could they have advanced as far as they did as quickly as they did? Maybe, maybe, by a couple years, but like with, I I don't think it would have taken, you know, when people say like the, 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 the Nazis were decades or like 20 years ahead of us, like part of me thinks that I don't think so. Like, I think that the United States would have, I think at the time though, I think if you think at the time, like now, I don't think you could say that. I don't think you could say they were 20 years ahead of us, but like, Back in the 40s, you're like, they're 20 years ahead of us. They're in the 60s. If you think of the 60s and the 40s, you're like, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's, really, what's that's the what I'm there? saying. That's what I'm saying. I was like, the United States, you know, a, a joint project, the Manhattan Project, like producing the atomic bomb, one of the, the ultimate destructive, you know, technologies in the world. Um, it, it, like, we were there. 
like we were creating not only just that but you know uh, taking that technology and being like okay we could we could we could harvest the energy from these reactions we could create nuclear reactors uh those things I, you know maybe we wouldn't have maybe we wouldn't have devoted so many resources to space exploration maybe that's the thing like part of me wants to be like well maybe we would have concentrated more on just you know getting energy like producing energy and uh you know like who the fuck like we went to the moon and then what what did we really fucking learn about the moon when we got there cheese it wasn't you know? made of cheese. Big ass it wasn't rock. made of cheese that's the that's the 100 fact that we learned it wasn't made of cheese and it's like well great we spent 60 billion dollars trying to get to the fucking moon to learn that it wasn't made of cheese and you know maybe we could have fucking flying cars at this point and portable nuclear reactors instead of trying to get to the goddamn moon didn't the but the moon race like the space race that also led to so many other new technologies that are not necessarily used only for space like like wasn't it like the fucking latex suit came from that like the space suit and that technology of that like led to like hundreds of thousands of jobs and like huge economies and like just all the other stuff that i mean the space race yes like you got to the moon and whatever but all the stuff that the the development of computers and like all that stuff what that needed to be done to get to the moon came from the space race so you could make the other arguments so yeah the space race maybe going to the moon might have been pointless but the development of technology to get there that was like a huge leap right that's like the same type of leap that happened in like 50, like 55 to 70 was the same that happened from like world war one to two, like huge leaps in tech. Yeah. And you're, and you're absolutely correct. And I would, I would totally back that. And the thing was like, there, there, there's also, I know there's, I can't remember if it's an actual fact or whatever, but the, the kind of the leading strategy for the United States was like, when they analyze the full capabilities, the, the Soviet union, they're like the only way that we're going to be able to out, you know, to beat them was economically. And it's like, if we try to tell them if that we're going to the moon and they try to beat us in a, in a, you know, a competition to get to the moon, it will bankrupt them. And that was the whole reason for us trying to get to the moon was that. So what you're saying is we faked it to bankrupt Russia. Like I've been saying all along. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, Dan. Stanley Kubrick film. Yeah, but we actually it. got there. Like, <laughs> no, saying. I agree with that. But if we wouldn't, if we would have been like, we don't give a really, but that's the thing, though, because once you develop in ICBMs and things like that, and you have the technology to get to the moon, I think that was kind of the whole goal. Because the one thing you want as a nuclear power is a a place to launch missiles, not necessarily for a first strike, but for second strike. And if you had a base on the moon, like that's the ultimate second strike facility that's the ultimate second strike site you can't knock them out even if a country were to launch nuclear missiles at your country it's like hey we have a base on the moon and we're gonna launch all of those you know even if it were just like you know 10 20 nukes we're just like yeah we're just it's you know that's the ultimate deterrent would be the house on the moon so i think that was one of the considerations for the soviet union like trying to compete with us to get to the moon space race that was a whole thing you know get a get a base on the moon but once the united states got up there it's like we there's no way we could build a facility on the moon this is crazy okay let's uh i think yeah. like this this tangent could lead we can go fucking everywhere with this we but forever so yeah. much more to talk about so like but yeah, Operation Paperclip, 
brought Nazi scientists over, okay. opened a can of worms. Shit's everywhere. I mean, that it, again, this is why at the beginning of the podcast called it the granddaddy of all conspiracies because Operation Paperclip opens up into so many other secret military projects. Yeah, uh, dude. People have asked Nazi Germany about, is still controlling the United States of America. Boom. Is this, but like <laughs> that to me is a conspiracy. That's the fourth right. Fourth what, right. Did what we talk about, was this actually a conspiracy? No, because this shit's real. Happened. This shit happened. Conspiracy yeah, fact. I mean, a conspiracy doesn't a conspiracy. have to be fake like a conspiracy is two or more people talking about whatever anyways but you know this this one breaks off too and we can probably talk about them at another point we'll probably talk about them down the road it, it opens up into what people have asked us to talk about project artichoke bluebird um mk ultra leads it leads into all that stuff um we're all pretty much you know offshoots if if operation paperclip was venom then like carnage and the other cinebiots are all the other projects that, that came off of this thing. So it's, it's <laughs> so maybe what you're MK saying Ultra is, it's is the like best carnage. Symbiote. I would say, I would say <laughs> paperclip's the best symbiote. <laughs> My final thought on operation paperclip is that it just still something. I mean, we can get into this conspiracy realm all day, but something just doesn't sit right with me with how the allies and the West treated Nazi scientists compared to Russia. Like we welcomed them with over open arms and we treated them. We put them in high ranking positions, even though they were still reporting out and we would catch them and we would believe them when they would give us the reasons why they were reporting out. We're like, Oh yeah, yeah that's fine. That's fine. It's totally fine. We I mean, we did like after Eli Rosenbaum kind of pulled a lot of this bullshit to, to, to the light, we did rescind a lot of these awards and you know what oh. I mean? Oh, <laughs> Okay, we, we, listen, I mean? if you took away any award from me that has already been given to me and I've got to celebrate when I got it, I could care less. <laughs> yeah, well, but like... If you called me right also- now and you'd be like, hey, Braden, we found out you were juicing in the 20, uh, 2008 uh, Shaw Cup Championship, and we just wanted to let you know that you no longer are the 2008 Shaw Cup Champion. I'd be like, okay. Yeah, but you were also banished from Kelowna, British Columbia and sent back to country yeah. away from your family and all that other shit but okay but my final thought is like it, it just still blows me away that we treated the nazi scientists better than we treated the allies treated some of their own scientists that really turned the war and like my case in point is like i just instantly looking at all these scientists that committed atrocious war crimes and were brought over and given safe haven i just constantly thought of alan turing who broke the enigma code we wouldn't be fucking anywhere without that guy. And they chemically castrated him because he was gay. And he was he was an ally scientist. And then the German scientists who are committing war crimes against the allies are like, it's all good. It's all good. Come on over. It's all good. We don't care. Yeah, but all right. That's cool. But can you make rockets? No. Okay. Castrate him. Yeah. Castrate him. Yeah, you so, you you solved the Enigma code. What have you done for us lately, though? Exactly. Not, I mean, he was anybody get to the moon? Yeah, I mean, and also he's like the father of artificial intelligence. Like, yeah, he's so the father of the computer, it, like, dude. That that guy was treated so fucking unbelievably poorly for the the what he gave in his life. It's it's mind boggling to me how we treated the you know the war criminals and that's what they were war criminals right they were doing atrocious tests on human and you know you can justify it all you want of like maybe we wouldn't be where we are today 
without these atrocious war crimes. But these people should have paid a price, and they didn't. They lived a full life and were fine. Should have paid the iron price. Yeah, like it, it's <laughs> it's crazy for me to think that it these people could do the things they do and get off scot free because everyone was like, "Well, you you know some things we don't know." So not everyone, not everybody. They yeah, hid this shit. They buried that shit deep. And it it to be honest, like if this is information that is like widely available, that is true, factual, like fact. This is fact. What don't we know about what was like going on behind the scenes back then? Because we know the military was going against executive orders right then and there. That's all I have to say is the military was going against executive orders. So there's a shadow government that was operating against the United States. What the wishes of the United States government. So that's all like, what don't we know? Someone was pulling the strings and you know, this is the tip of the iceberg and you know what we might find out in the future. I, I don't, can't even fathom what was going on back then. No, that's nothing. A shit ticket got us to the moon. It's not a big deal, <laughs> but that was just happenstance. Didn't mean to happen. No big deal. Done. Zell, Zell, final thoughts, final, thought, final thoughts, Braden. Yeah. So Braden gave his last final thoughts for like 15 minutes. <laughs> I know. I was, was waiting. It was funny. No, I, I, I find it very strange that, I mean, I got one more final thought, actually. <laughs> Fuck you, Zell. Me? I'm done. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah. I mean, I find it strange. I mean, Braden, you said that we tre- treated, you said Nazis in general, but it was just like a sl- it was a small group. It's not like. If it was Fourth Reich, I would say like they would have welcomed Nazis over to America in they, but they didn't. They just did the scientists. No, but they did. The, I'm saying like it didn't say like if you're a Nazi, come to America. This is the Fourth Reich. They they took the scientists. It's brutal. They took the valuable Nazis. The, uh, yeah, the ones that could help them uh, grow their war and machine inv- and put them in influential positions. Yeah, so it's super strange. I 100% agree that they brought them over and these. Nazi scientists ended up heading some of the biggest programs in the United States. Like, especially like Von Braun and NASA, like that shit's fucking crazy. And like when you tell people that, they're like, no, nah, can't be. What? Nazi started the space program? Like, oh, he didn't, maybe didn't start it, but he had a direct, direct effect on the, how the rockets were built, how we got up there. But it is strange that this like, giant corporations and all these people who profit off war when they see, it seems like when they see the, like the war is ending and the tide is turning, they just kind of shift gears and keep making profits for a different side. So like, if you go conspiracy route, like you go like shadow government or like some, some, the string pullers, like I haven't been down puppet the masters. Yeah. The puppet masters, but I haven't been down the rabbit hole like that in a while where you're like, all right, you have giant wars and these corporations are making billions of do- like all this money and they're all this power. And then they just, yeah, just shift and no, everyone's like, yeah, they're fine ne- next. So, yeah, I mean, the whole thing is just, you could spend a lot of time going down each ra- like rabbit hole of paperclip and all its subsidiaries, but yeah, hashtag look it up. It's fucking bananas that all this happened back then. This led to like pretty much all the tech we have. A lot of the tech we have now comes directly from, World War Two and so basically all anything that's not alien is from Nazi Germany, <laughs> or everything yeah, from Nazi. Where do the Nazis get it from? Or yeah, or aliens. the Nazis got it aliens. from the aliens. That's what I'm saying. 
man. You get into all that other weird, like the Vril Society and all that other weird shit that goes along with Nazi wonder weapons well, and where they got all that shit they from. They were all into the occult. They yeah. were all into fucking aliens. They were all into all that shit. Yeah. Anyways, Andrew, thoughts? Well, I, I caught a little flack today on a review for not being open to all theories. So <laughs> I'm going to say aliens, Bigfoot, motherfucking zombies, vamp, all of it. Every theory, all in one. Boom. But no, seriously, I, I, I definitely believe too much shit just like attributing all this stuff to happenstance just doesn't make sense to me. I think that list got into their hands intentionally. I think they were even given some information and they wanted that information to survive. They didn't want that fucking information to die with the Third Reich. They wanted that information to continue going on because they were on the brink of something big. And I think they succeeded in what they were on the brink of. And that's that's my honest opinion. There you go. Danny boy. <sighs> like I can't I I wouldn't go ahead and try to justify the actions of the people that uh that are the actions of of that were committed by the United States government. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far. I, I hope that our, what we've talked about is kind of added context and add a little bit of extra context. Like people want to be like the U S government knew about this. I'm like, yes, the United States government knew about it. There were people within the United States government that were fighting against this, uh, this action, like bringing these NASA scientists over. There's a, uh, there were people Including in the state the department. I know the president, I know the president, but the president also had to consider the very real possibility that you were, they were, what is it? 1946 that they were, or that they were six years away from total war. Like they were, they very much thought it was very much a possibility that they could have a atomic biological chemical war against the Soviet union and that, that was a very real possibility in their minds. Like we were going to be going to war with this giant country that is Russia, um, the Soviet Union. So, you know, I would just, I would go to say that like, there was almost like no choice at that point that you were that a very real, you know, threat to your country, to your ideology, to your ideologies, things like that. I can't I can't fault them for some of the stuff that they did. And I I'm also when I went for researching this, you don't even know like how much some people knew about what some of these Nazi scientists did at the time. Now we know all this information. A lot of this information has been declassified, things like that. Like there, there are files that are still classified until 2024, I believe. Um, some of them have been declassified as recent as 2012. But the people, when they brought some of these scientists over, people were, you know, they very much, you know, the United States military, the people who worked with these people, the military had whitewashed their, their records. They're like, oh, no, they didn't know anything. They were just scientists trying to do their best. Like they were trying to survive in Nazi Germany. <laughs> they weren't part of it. Yes. But most of them were fucking part of it. Nazi war criminals. Nazis. Not all, yeah. but most. Like 90% yeah. of them. All of them. <laughs> were fucking I, and, and at the end of the day, I fucking hate Nazis. Fuck Nazis. I fucking hate them. You know, Fuck we didn't Nazis. even go into a, for research of this. I read a fuck ton about fucking Nazi war crimes and I have fucking hate Nazis. I hate them. Fucking nightmares, man. I hate them. I hate them all fucking nightmare machines. I fucking hate all of them. Fuck Nazis. Fuck them all. Fuck them. Yeah. Get yep. the fuck out of here. Yep. 
Holocaust deniers, you too. Get the fuck out of here. I don't give a fuck about you guys too. Fuck off. We're not saying punch a Nazi, but just, you know, maybe. Yeah, if you see a Nazi. Just maybe. You know. If people if people tell you that the Holocaust isn't real, yeah, fuck those people too. Punch them. Okay. <laughs> you know what's you know what's fucking K. You know what? I'll save that story for after hours. It's not a it's not a main show appropriate <laughs> story. But All I right. got a story about a history class I was in in grade twelve. Wild. Oh, I made the think news. Right. Made the news. I think I know the story you're about to talk. You're gonna tell. My mind's already blasting. I wasn't even sure you got your grade ten. So the fact that you're in a grade twelve history class, that's fucking impressive. <laughs> I I sat in. Okay. Ah, let's do space news. Let's do a little space news. I'll save the. Uh, I'll save the UFO case file of the week for next week. If you ever wanted to throw a rock and hit Mars, now is your chance to get the closest you will ever get. <laughs> <laughs> so go outside, find Mars with your Skywatcher app, and fucking hurl a rock at that motherfucker because you're never going to get closer to hitting it than this week. Uh, for the Throw next it straight up in the years, air and look up. And look up. It's only gonna be it's totally safe. It's only gonna be a mere sixty-two point one million kilometers away, or that's thirty-eight point six million miles. But listen, I mean, it's relatively next door. I mean, Uncle Rico could hit that shit, no problem. Yeah, yeah. he would throw a fucking foot football fucking over the mountains, over them, Mars. right at that shit, dead center. Yep. So that's the closest uh, Mars is going to be for the next 15 years. Uh, so if you, it's going to be easy to see. It's going to be very bright in the sky for the next couple of nights. Um, if you got a telescope, fucking use it, man. This is the time. Uh, give Mars a old look. But like I said, just go outside, fucking hurl a rock in the air, and just know you will never get closer to hitting Mars with a fucking. <laughs> You'll rock. never be able to How throw cool a rock is that? closer. Like, listen, you go out and throw a rock tonight and then go tomorrow and be like, fuck, I almost hit Mars. That's the closest I've ever come to hitting it. You, that's It's not a lie. That's, that's le- not a lie that's if legit. you say that after you throw a rock straight in the air. It's not a lie. Yep. So, unless for the next 15 years you train that fucking arm and 15 years you got a cannon and you throw it even <laughs> further in 15 years. You got to have like an armathy, like from yeah. fucking Rick and Morty. You need an armathy. <laughs> I like that uh, reference. I thought that was some excellent space news. Uh, what else do I have? Oh, we talked about it last week. This is a little fitting. The astronauts have finally located the elusive leak on the ISS. Oh, they found it. They did. They found it. They had already narrowed it down to uh, the two Russian modules I think we talked about last week. And Antoly- Did you say Russian modules? What Russian yeah. modules? That's what happens when you give your fucking Nazi scientists back to fucking. Should have kept them. <laughs> Should have kept them. We wouldn't have a leak. <laughs> so the the leak was on the Svezda service module, and it was found by Cos Cosmonauts Anatoly Ivan Nishin and Ivan Wagner. So Perfect. it's now. So it hasn't been announced if it's fixed or not, but they found it. They know where the leak is. Well, they, um, they yeah, they're currently working. On they it. know the leaks in that module. They haven't found precisely where it's leaking, but they know it's leaking in that module. So they are working on finally n- nailing that down. So, and I I love this. I love this because they're like they're like, listen, the ISS always leaks a little air. And I was like, when I read that, I was like, hmm, huh, <laughs> what? 
It's always leaking. This motherfucker is old. We gotta get some. We gotta get something out there that doesn't leak anymore. This is crazy. Some new hotness. Yeah, it's old and busted. We need new. Hotness. Well, they're gonna be putting that one between the Earth and the Moon. What are they calling it? Yeah. Um, Ar- Ar- Artemis Project. So, Artemis. Or I think Artemis. it's called Max. Fast gas. Circle K. I don't remember. <laughs> Circle K. Space K. <laughs> I mean, um, it might be a space K on Artemis. I hope so. This be is sweet. A, this space news I got here. This is a little foreshadowing to next week. Ooh. Uh, astronomers say they they've detected a rogue Earth mass planet drifting in the Milky Way. <sighs> dun dun dun. Uh, could this be Nibiru, the the fabled planet X? Who knows? Who knows? Maybe. I mean, is it in our sun's orbit? It's a no. no it's a rogue it's drifting planet. Drifting in the Milky Way, uh, uh, anywhere. It could be Dan. It could be anywhere. <laughs> drifting in the Milky Way. That's like, <laughs> it's you, Dan, Dan. It could be anywhere. It's a rogue planet, unbound to any star. So it could go anywhere. Dan, let me ask you a question. <laughs> let me ask you a question, Dan. A thousand kilometers from Earth, is that in the Milky Way? I mean, yes. <laughs> oh, shit. So it could be there because no one knows where it is. It's drifting in the Milky Way. It's mysterious. Well, they have an idea where I'm they saying. is. I'm like, but is it in the orbit of our of our star? No, it's unbound by any star, it says. That's what they think, at least. It goes where it wants, when it wants. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> sure, it could be <laughs> Uh, basically, I only brought this one up because we're going to be talking about Planet X or Nibiru next week. Uh, so I thought of be interesting. We always talk about yeah, it's cool. You know, it's, the the it's, rogue could be, Planet could be X. Nibiru. It's, there's two different organizations working on this. The OGLE, the Optical Gravitational Lensing Experiment, collaborating with the KMTN Korean Micro Lensing Telescope Network, and they're sweet. And they're getting good at finding objects in space that emit no light of their own. And this, they figured cool. there's something out there. It's about somewhere between the size of Mars and Earth, so a fairly decent size ball of rock floating out there, deep space. Yeah, I wonder how many like fucking weird rogue planets are just like whipping around. I mean, if you think about it, like there could be tons of them just like whipping around out there. Yeah, they got. Yeah, you get lost by the gravitational pull of the sun or whatever, and then just flying yeah, around. Your way fucking up there. sun goes supernova, and you're sitting on the other. The you know, not not so much like in within the Goldilocks region. Like you're not an Earth-like planet, no. but if you're sitting on the outside, maybe like you know, when your sun goes supernova, or you manage to form. Hey, the core. Your sun like burns out. Next week we're talking about Nibiru. The core forms. It's a molten core. It produces heat. You can live on it. Maybe it has some type of weird atmosphere. I don't fucking know. And yep. don't forget, if you want to listen to us talk about Planet Nibiru and Planet X, you're going to have to head over to Spotify because that's where we're talking about Nibiru and Planet X next week on Alien Theorist Theorizing. Uh, that's all I had for space news. Does anyone else have anything else? I mean, I don't have space news, but I got world news. Boo. World, yeah, I space. would say boo too, Dan. Canada's suffered a fucking act of war. Oh, that's right. We're marching. Fucking garbage. Oh. <laughs> Goddamn Canadian legend was assaulted in New York City. Rick Moranis sucker punched. That's it. Was it a random attack? Listen. A random attack? Yeah. That's it. No, no, it wasn't a random I attack. It was an act hate of war. Ghostbusters. It was a it goddamn was act, of, act war. of war. It's bullshit. This is a call to all Canadians to take up arms, and we're storming 
We're listen. We're just continually storming south until we catch the perpetrator. We'll go as far south as we need to. Right. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we'll. So burn this down- is your notice right now, motherfucker. You listen. You listen good. You turn yourself into authorities before we find you. Grab well, your we'll hockey stick, buddy. We'll burn the White House down again. You've done it. We're gonna before. burn everything we'll south of the 49th. Yeah. We're gonna burn everything. We're gonna burn it all down. Grab your hockey stick. <laughs> until we find the attacker. Of Rick we'll do it again. <laughs> Get ready to get fucking jerseyed, America. You know what the last thing you're ever going to hear is? We're coming. March. The 39 million man march. You guys think a storm's coming? This is fucking storm's coming, eh? You got fucked up now. I'm coming to get you. Delicious and delicious right here, buddy. You don't want any of this. Anyways, That was fucking terrible. Mick Rannis is a Canadian hero. We don't stand for that. We don't stand for that around here. Um, do we have a theory of the week? We do. Oh. <laughs> if I can just close. I, I literally went to open the, the the page, and as I slid over, hit the X, closed the window. Um, Those eyes are getting a little googly over there. That might be what's going on. It's because I've had way too much drink. <laughs> too much of that uh, Spotify cider you've been Spotify drinking. Spotify cider. <laughs> yeah, at Spotify cider. The Spotify exclusive cider. Um, your Your drink here. Basically, is what I've been drinking. All right, there it is. She, the amount of work this girl went into to make sure her husband got a shout out on the beginning of this episode. Uh, our theory of the week is Jessica Fullup. Uh, good on you. Like the amount of time she reached out to make sure uh, she wanted to uh, get her husband a shout out, followed up, messaged us, was very polite. Just absolute beauty. Uh, really stood out for me. That's why we gave the husband a, a shout out at the beginning of the show. So Jessica Fullup, you are our theorite of the week. You can always hold that over your husband's head Yep. forever. He got a shout out, but you're the theorite of the week. So uh, you're fucking beauty. Uh, thanks for reaching out to the show and hope you guys have a great second wedding anniversary on October 13th from your friends at Alien Theorist Theorizing. And now that's not something we do often. So if you want to shout out, you got to really work for it. Because if we start doing it every week, you know, can't do it. So if you yeah, want to shout out, listen, you if you, do if you work. email us and be like, hey, give me a shout out or give this person a shout out. Tough. Ah, just, if you subscribe to our Patreon, you get an automatic shout out. That's true. Oh, I mean, yeah. Get your name <laughs> read. You can pay for your you shout out. Want, you want an easy way? I mean, <laughs> you pay for your shout out. And I think that's the, that's me, the last, <laughs> last thing we're going to do tonight is do a little uh, Patreon shout out. So let's see. Get my music going here. We playing the new Patreon shout-out song. Got a new Patreon shout-out song. Second week of this. Here we go. Patreon supporting the week of... What is it? September 28th to October 5th. We got Roll Quest. Roll Quest. We got... Toxic 0320 Jessica Jessica Carnivore Kyle Weir One Down Five Up Girl Diane Rhodes Trent Robertson went up to the top tier pledge. We salute you. Woo! Kenneth Godinez Douglas Finn Nolan Hansen Disco Sasquatch. Oh, that's a good name. And Jamie Ward. 
Those are the newest patrons of the week. Patrons of the week? I've never said that before. But that's what you are. And if you want to get on our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash alien theorist podcast. And as we say at the end of these things, keep those eyes on the skies.